The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for The Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to The Crossman Conversation. Mike, how you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great on this wonderful day here. Listen, I uh, it's always a good day to hang out with you, Mike. Yeah, Let's well, start thank with that. you. <laughs> listen, uh, before we get started, quick story for you. Quick oh, story for all right. You. I haven't you really heard like, one in a while, No, man. listen to me. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I really like uh, you go to something and, and you have in your head, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to this thing. I'm going to see this big time muckety muck or this person's doing something. And then there's something that surprises you, kind of comes out of it. I don't know if that's ever like a thing. Oh, yeah. Like a thing. That's happened know? many you, times. You know, whatever. Yeah. You, never, you never know. So I went to this big time uh, dinner and it was, you know, a small group of people, but it was a big time dinner. And like, you know, there's a president university there, you know, like a major donor there. And then like this major dean there. And then somehow there's me. Like, I don't know how I got invited to this, but this this big thing. But then there's this guy sitting on my right and I'd never met him before, but I'm just talking to him because, you know, geographically we're sitting there. And this guy, I'm like, this dude is so sharp and so smart. I want to hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. And then we became Facebook friends, you know, and the rest is history. And that guy is our guest today. All right. That guy is our guest today. And listen, his title is so long, we're going to take a break halfway through it, this title. Um, but this is uh, Reginald K. Ellis, who is the Provost Professor of Community Outreach, Engagement, and Research at Florida A&M University. Did I get that all right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You did. You did it better than I then I could have done it. Do I have to say that every single time I ask you a question? Well, uh, uh, Provost <laughs> Professor of Community Outreach Engagement, Reginald K. Ellis, is that how I have to say it every time, or can I acronym that down shorter? Can I call you Prof. Press Ellis, Professor Ellis? I don't know. You're going to get yourself in trouble real quickly. <laughs> Something, you're going to have to help me out here a little bit, but uh, um, how are you? Let's start with that. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's always good to uh, be in conversation with you. I remember that 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 dinner as well, and was as drawn to you as much as you were drawn to me. And so I wanted to uh, wanted to get to know more about you as well after, after that 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 presentation that we had. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. We're doing good work. So uh, now this this title that I'm teasing about this is a relatively new title. Is that correct? Yeah, this is actually the vision of our provost, Dr. Allison Watson, um, that she came up with, I believe, last summer, and she advertised it. So I think her goal is really to to really tease out this idea of having the university reengage with the community in a way that will help move the university to our desired goal of reaching R1. And so... Uh, a part of our responsibility, myself and Dr. Shangela Randolph, who is the the other inaugural provost professor of community outreach and engage, outreach engagement and research, is to really engage our community stakeholders while at the same time engaging our, our research faculty and our students uh, to break down the silos, if, if that makes sense, across the board with our community partners and our faculty and to ensure that we all move in with one heartbeat um, to help enhance the lives of all that we serve. That's awesome. Now, quick question here. Now, you mentioned the provost. Tell me her name again. What's her name? Dr. Allison Watson. Now, let me tell you, I, I feel like where, 
Where did she go to undergrad? I felt like she went someplace really interesting. Where did she go to undergrad college? Do you know? Uh, some school down south. <laughs> Mike, you know where she went to? She went. Uh, she went uh, to school in Daytona. It's called Bethune Cookman oh, University. That, yes, Perhaps kind of you've a, yeah, heard of it. I, I've heard of it. Oh my gosh! I'm trying to make relationships here. How did I know that about her? Anyway, um, so here's the thing. This is what I want to jump on because well, the first two things. First off, is you grew up in a farming community. You you grew up in that background and. You know, farmers have really great perspective on things. One of the things they have is they they tend to be kind of community connected because, you know, farmers need to be connected within each other and things like that. And number two, they, they know about planning for the future. And so when I think about you as a human and you in this role, it seems like that your your DNA, your how your parents raised you, those skill sets perming through this seem like a pretty solid match. Is that correct? Wow, John, I think you really hit it on the head. I never, you know, since I've been in this role, no one has really kind of nailed it the way that you did as it relates to my fit for the role. Yes, I, uh, you know, my father actually was a farmer. Uh, and my uncles and, and, and uh, broader since my family grew up on a 101-acre farm in southwest Georgia. Not very, uh, a very large farm, but for Oh, uh, rural Southwest Georgia black people, it was a large farm, farm for us. And so what the um, what carries me, what, what remains in me, rather, is the sense of community, the, the sense of purpose as it relates to uh, being an extended hand and, and not only the idea of lifting as you climb, but also carrying your community with you and caring for your broader community. And so, yeah, I think that when the Provost Watson presented this um, this idea, because that's what it was at the Southley Pre-Planning Conference back in uh, August, she presented the idea of this role, and it really resonated with me on several several layers. Um, but I had not thought about it the way that you just described it, so I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, farmers know about planning. You you mentioned silos, you know, like in a, in a positive way, like you're storing for the future. That's a good thing. And when we're thinking about, um, you know, you know, if you're doing something fast, like you're training something for some quick thing here in your life or a season, but when you're talking about education and other, you know, things, you know, pillars of our society, you're planning generationally. And so you've got to do a lot to plant seeds now to know things are going to come up in the future. And so that concept's big. The, the, the next part I want to move into is that HPCUs have done such a phenomenal job of bringing in talent. And sometimes it's raw, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's a, a diamond in the rough, you know, and like, and sometimes it's collective resources. And then the output is a superstar, right? Like if I meet one more FAMU undergrad that then got an MBA from Harvard, I'm just going to freak out. It's like, you know, how many times like you, you see that and you're like, cheapers, creepers, like there's so much talent that's coming out of here. So the, the student coming in and being really, um, dove into and invested in, you know, culturally and, and spiritually there on a, on a campus is awesome. The downside of that is all across America, sometimes HBCUs have been so insularly focused, they've gotten disconnected from their own communities. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. created problems because it's like, you know, you and I have talked about this. It's like, you know, I live in Orlando and I meet people all the time that don't know what FAMU is. They don't know the College of Law is even in Orlando. And then that's a problem. So, while we take care of these kids when they get in, if we're not connected on the outside, that's that's an issue. And so that sounds like that's part of those things that you you're, you're going to be working on. Is that right? 
That is absolutely right. And, and that's why we want to use the phrase re-engage with the community, because to your point, uh, the, the history of particularly Florida and m University is with us being 1890s land-grant university, one of our missions is to to serve the broader community. And so just very quick story. You know, as I said earlier, my mother has had worked at Florida A&M for nearly 40 years. And what I remember about Florida A&M as a kid growing up by proxy on campus is that it was a community-centered university, meaning they consistently had uh, groups of kids my age from the from the ages of eight until high school age consistently had programs whether they were you know basketball camps whether they're of course the stem camps the uh, summer programs I mean, these these programs went on all almost year round they had community festivals and things of that nature on campus and I can remember growing up that there wasn't a, a part of Southwest Georgia North Florida that was not touched by Florida A&M University. And I could imagine it was probably something similar in Central and South Florida in the 80s and the 90s. And I think because of our, our, our strategic focus on um, moving into the top 100, moving to this, this desire of a very research-intensive university, we have become more internally focused on what that means and how it looks. But to your point, the downside of that is we kind of have taken our eye off of the broader community and how we serve the broader community. And I think that uh, our provost has heard that and some of our other colleagues have heard that. And so our job is to to re-engage with the community in ways that we used to do, but in also ways that fit the 21st century with our eye on the 22nd century. Yeah, that's exactly, that. that's right on so many points. So uh, here's a fun topic I'm going to bring up. Uh, let's talk about politics. Okay, how about that? You ready? <laughs> <I'll try. laughs> no, no, no. Here, well, here's how I'm going to bring it up. I, uh, I had this happen uh, a week ago. I was talking to a buddy of mine. I say a buddy. I mean, we don't know each other that well, but know each other, you know, for, you know, for a fair amount of time. But he referenced me being a Democrat. And I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Republican, right? And, and occasionally I have people say to me or think that I'm a Democrat or ask for a Democrat, the only line of thinking I'm a Democrat is my open advocacy for HBCUs. And so I'm like, guys, I don't advocate for HBCUs because I'm a Democrat. I'm a super conservative Republican. I advocate for HBCUs because of the outstanding product that comes out and the leadership they do. And the reason why I say this is, is that this, the part two of it is I will partner with Democrats and do partner with Democrats any and every chance I get particularly for HBCUs because it's creating, you know, great things in the community. So my point being is that, you know, wherever you are politically, it's important that both Republicans and Democrats in the state of Florida are connected to the university. That has to be that way. And I, and I would never tell somebody how to vote or you should be a D or R or RBD. But when you're in education, every state university needs to be engaged in working with both sides of the aisle. And so when you come back to that community, some people might be like, oh, community HBCU, you must love all Democrats. Like, well, sure, and Republicans. <laughs> you know, it's both, <laughs> right? And you can't – look, if you had a, a military academy, the military academy can't – you know, you don't defend just Democrats, just Republicans. You're training people to defend our country, right? And so it's the same thing at a state university. We're going to work with both sides of the aisle. And by the way, 
you know, since I'm a Republican, Republicans I talk to, they love FAMU, love FAMU, right? And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we need that. And so that seems like that's part of your job of outreach is making sure that whether it's public or private or ours or these or whatever, they're all seeing the great value of Florida A&M and, and the students it, it provides. Is that right? I totally agree with everything you just said. I, I, I'll say that I started my a building a relationship with our local chamber of commerce back in 2012, 2013. And the reason that I came to the conclusion that we needed to develop that relationship was through a conversation with one of my mentors, a guy named uh, Dan McInerney, who's a uh, distinguished professor of history at the University of Utah. I met him through my relationship with the American Historical Association. And he said, Reggie, if you really want to get support for your department and, and specifically what it is that you do, you need to develop a relationship with the local chamber of commerce because if they can see the value in what it is that you do, they will be somewhat ambassadors and advocates for what it is that you do. And to my to my surprise, he was absolutely right. And so to me, it's a part the part of the role is to leave quote unquote the ivory tower and go to where the people are. If the people are in the Chamber of Commerce to to build relationships, um, to to show them the value that you bring to the community and vice versa, what values does does the community bring to the university, right? And so I have uh, done that with the local Chamber of Commerce by my role as a an alum of Leadership Tallahassee, served on that board uh, for a few years and very recently have re-engaged with the, the, my friend Barbara Boone, who's the executive director of Leadership Tallahassee. Also, through Leadership Florida, uh, went through the Connect Class 9 class um, to do the same thing on a statewide level because I think it's hard for people to know what you're doing when you're not able to tell them what it is you're doing, the value that you're bringing to the state, um, but then also the value that they can bring to the university. So very, very quick story. No, when I I'll tell you what, real quick, the, uh, quick real quick, I want to take a break, and we're going to tell that story right after the break. Is that okay? That's fine. I hate to cut you off, but that story sounds so good. I don't want it to be rushed. So <laughs> give me just one quick set. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back and have you tell the story, okay? Yes, sir. All right. We'll be right back here at the Crossman Conversation. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. 
Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. This is John Crossman, and I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company, and they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. Once again, here is John Crossman. We are back here at the Crossman Conversation with my friend, the great undersecretary, Dr. Uh, <laughs> Universal Grandmaster in charge of everything, Reginald K. Ellis. Did I get that right? Did I get the title right? I was that close? I will embrace it all. Okay. Well, you were just telling us this story. So uh, go ahead and tell us a story. It's a story about being community connected. Go ahead and go. Uh, so the... The, the story is one of my classmates actually worked at, uh, in Leadership Florida, worked for Disney as an engineer, and we would sit on, uh, during our program days, we would sit on the bus, and we would have to sit with indi- different individuals every trip. And so one day I sat, uh, sat by uh, a guy named Alex, and we were talking. He's a University of Michigan, Michigan alum, and really had no understanding of Florida and m University. And of course, we have a great FAMU, FSU College of Engineering, have a great architecture program. And so we, we, we started this conversation, and I shared with him, I said, hey, man, you should think about uh, recruiting some of our students for internships. And the next year after I graduate from the program, he reaches out to me and said, Reggie, when you told me that, I, it, I thought about it because we, we recruit heavily in Central Florida. And then he said, because of my relationship with the University of Michigan, we recruit out of the University of Michigan, I would have never thought consider Florida A&M. And so for two years in a row while I was in the grad school, he actually hosted, uh, uh, well, we hosted him to do strategic recruitment fair in our school of architecture and engineering. And he took at least two or three students with him every year. And so to your point, it's important for us in these roles to actually take our university, uh, FAMU, to the table to where these individuals are. So we can't get mad from my assessment when people are not providing access and opportunity to our students. It's our job to create those pathways. And that's why I was excited with some of the work that you were doing as it relates to providing access and opportunity to our students to develop uh, a portfolio as it relates to real estate development. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like with that dinner you and I were at, like, me and uh, my partner that was uh, was there, and that's actually Kelly Bergstrom, who's very involved uh, at the University of Florida. And, you know, he and I both are, you know, devout capitalists, super conservative guys, uh, Republican pro-business, and we're super pro-FAMU, right? Like, and there's people that are total opposite viewpoint, they're super pro-FAMU. It comes back to being connected to the community and, and really providing great talent. And, what frustrates me is, is that there are tons of FAMUNs who graduate and move to Houston and New York City and all over the country, and we're not even interviewing them in Orlando. We're not interviewing them mm. in Tampa. Like, we're not interviewing them in Boca. And you want the best talent, and we're not, you know, 
It's, it's, it's like the 1971 University of Alabama football team. Not an accurate representation of the athletes in that state. And so in the same way, not a lot of our corporations are not recruiting. They just, they just don't know. And so what I see, look, I would never tell somebody not to recruit at their alma mater. I would never tell them that, right? But I would tell them, be open to the talent, right? So um, let me say this, and, and, and again, listen, anybody listening, hear me out before you get mad at me. But, you know, if you have a company and you're having this internal conversation of like, well, what do we do about DEI? Like, you know, DEI seems good from one perspective, but our governor is not big on DEI. So, you know, where do we fit? How, does this, how do you fit all this in? I would tell you, pause, stop what you're doing. Go visit FAMU. Go visit Bethune-Cookman. And I would tell you, if you're worried about it, wondering about it, instead of like creating a committee, create a relationship. Just create a relationship, right? That's what you need to do. Look, if you find yourself and you're like, I, I am woke, I am woke. And you're, if you're a white person and you find yourself describing yourself in that way, stop. Do not post. Don't do anything. Write a check to FAMU. Like, volunteer. Like, give away your, some of your resources. No one cares if you're going to say you're woke. What people care about is impact you're making. If you find yourself saying you're anti-woke, I get that too. Well, guess what? The government's anti-woke and he loves FAMU and he's providing resources. He supports Bethune-Cookman too. So you're, you're, you're on the right team, guys. Like, but just stop with all that noise and, and go back to your core, what you're passionate about, right? Like, I, I think I've told this story before. I have a friend of mine who's a, a lawyer and he's, he's all into constitutional law. That's his biggest thing. And I'm like, bro... If that's what you care about, endow a scholarship at Family College of Law and guest lecture every semester and talk to students about constitutional law. Right? If that's what you care about, like lean into that, right? We need more people to stop with the talkie talk and get more into making sacrificial gifts and impact. Did, did I get that right? Was that too controversial? Is that okay? No. I think I think that's where we need to be as a nation, period. Right. Mm-hmm. To if your values is X lean into it but look at how how as as universities we can make better citizens period and 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 if we can do that it, it takes us to do it together as opposed to us being in these silos and that's one of the i think if there's anything that i can do in the two years that because this role is only a two-year role and so in the two years that if i can help move the needle to you know to get Florida A&M University in these different spaces with the support that the provost um, and the administration provide, I think that I would have been, uh, it w- I would be a success uh, in in that in that period. I listen. I'm so excited for you and what you're doing. I uh, I will tell you this. I don't know if I mentioned this to you when when we've talked before, but I have one time I've been a uh, banned and canceled on social media, and it was because I was part of a group. And I made a statement uh, in, on social media, and I said, I believe that one potential sign of racial reconciliation in America is when the black votership is equally divided, Republican and Democrat. And mm-hmm. people lost their mind and canceled me, banned me forever in, the, in this group. And of course, I, was, I don't think they got what I was saying, but I'm like, look— if you can get to where the political parties are both wooing black vote and they're both staying their cases, right? And so, so black vote is not dependent on skin color. It gets dependent on these are the issues I care about. Like that's a win. I, I, I spoke at the uh, uh, NAACP chapter at the University of Central Florida. I told students, I said, look, 
if Democrats think they always have your vote and Republicans think you never have your vote, you've lost all your power. You've got to be in mm-hmm. relationship with both, right? And so, yes. you know, we, we got to have that connectivity. All right, so before I let you go, can I ask you some history questions? Is that okay? Try. All yeah, right. Yeah, okay, cool. okay. All right, so uh, first off, and you got to answer these fast, uh, you can have dinner with three historic individuals, you and three individuals at the table, dinner, and I'll make this also easy. Uh, there's a magic thing that you all speak English, so if you want to invite Genghis Khan, you can. So so who would be the three people that you would want to have dinner with and have a big group conversation, historically based? All right, James Baldwin, Nelson Mandela, and and, and also um, uh, Benjamin Mays. Oh, my gosh. And And if you had that, like, tonight, what would be the first topic you would throw out there? I would ask all of them. Uh, it, it, so let me ask this: Is the dinner today, or am I going to that era? Uh, today, it's today. Okay, so I would ask them what was the hardest decision that they had to make. Uh, ben Mays and uh, Hansberry, when she was writing "Raising in the Sun," what really uh, drew her to that? James Baldwin, I would ask him. Um, what was it that caused him to view America differently at the end of his life uh, or at the end of his career, writing career, than, than it was 